0: This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Loverboy on the stereo. So, when you want that authentic arcade experience, the Underground Retrocade is where you'll find it, and you'll be loving every minute of it. The Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is
1: No Quarter, a weekly podcast about classic arcade games. Isn't it, Carrington? Isn't it? Isn't
0: it? Isn't it? <laughs> no. It's not? <laughs> no, we are now discussing uh, Cutlery. All right. Um, it's called no spoons let me it's gonna be very up. popular the internet is going to love us let me pull up google very quickly <laughs> i went to university i went to a few different universities and one of them was the university of sheffield in england speaking of spoons this is going to be my spoon segue for you mike um <laughs> so when i was at the university of sheffield there's nothing in sheffield that i liked and i'm sorry for our listeners who are in sheffield uh-huh. but i was young i was not too long out of uni- out of uh guess I would have been out of one university and not in the next one yet. So I was between universities and sort of slipping in a bit of a degree. And I was up in Sheffield, but I kind of really wanted to be in London. So I spent most of my time going down to London. And one weekend, um, I had a local say, come on. And she said, let me show you that there's a lot more to Sheffield than than you're dismissively saying there is, you Canadian. So she took me out. And basically, there were a bunch of pubs. And then we went to what I considered the Spoon Museum. Now it was actually like a museum of cutlery, I guess. <laughs> it had a big water wheel and it showed you cutlery and cutlery designs through the years. <laughs> I hmm. was like, really? You have a spoon museum? You have one day to show me what's awesome about your city and that's what you pick? So <laughs> I always think of Sheffield as the place with the spoon museum. I'll make a mental note of that. I don't know why. I bet there's a lot more in Sheffield than that, but that's what I came <laughs> away with: a degree and uh, knowledge of the Spoon Museum.
1: Now, now that you've said that you've gone to a bunch of universities, I keep hearing the uh, Dean Warmer in my head. Zero point zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that movie.
1: Yes. I away. did not love today's game. What?
0: No. Best game ever? Uh, you know what? I can't sustain that. No. <laughs> <laughs> just can't keep up. I was the really line. going to try to make it be one of those shows, but no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. It's not horrible. But, but it's also, we'll have some interesting things to say about it. It's, it's a little different.
1: It's also not, not horrible. Is that what you're trying to kinda
0: say? Kind of shovelware, to be honest. But <laughs> it, I think it's representative of some interesting things in, in early games. So we will see. But uh, yeah, not, not going to be one of the faves this week, I think. But we have feedback, don't we? We do. We have a little bit of feedback. Not that much. Somebody um, loves this. I, unless I we beg for feedback. My
1: mom tells me somebody loves me.
0: <laughs> it's not her but <laughs> we we did get um got a few short letters but there's a couple that i want to bring up in particular um one is from jennifer she says hello to all the podcasters in the land of no quarters longtime listener first time writer I've been enjoying your show for over a year now and I finally have something to contribute. In your Cloak and Dagger show, one thing you didn't mention is that there's a good article by Dave Comstock over on AtariHQ.com called What's the Real Story Behind Cloak and Dagger? Uh, She says he talks about the 5200 cartridges for both Tempest and the Cloak and Dagger game that appeared in the movie as tantalizing hints of future games releases. There's also a good video on YouTube with a talk that Comstock gave at the Classic Gaming Expo in 2005 about his plans to finish said 5200 version. And then she gives us links to both that article and to the YouTube video. And then she concludes with, but unfortunately, with the in it, I don't think it's ever been completed. At least not so far. One last link. Over on atariprotos.com, they have a page showing all the details from the Prototype 5200 cart, including screenshots and lots of game details. But it still lists it as only 50% complete. Keep up the great podcast, and maybe I'll write again after another year. Jennifer with less than three N's. That's how she calls herself. So, Jennifer with less than three N's. We have a two N minimum to write in. So, thank you very much for the links. Uh, I, in fact it's a coincidence because i think mike and i intended to talk about at least that video i knew about the video with dave comstock talking about um the 50 200 cartridge but i didn't know about the article on target hq so she has fleshed out the the links and i think last week was was cloak and dagger last week <laughs> yes, yes, it was last week. <laughs> so many shows they run together. um uh, I had intended to talk about that video, but I forgot, so the email was perfectly timed. So thank you very much, Jennifer.
1: Yeah, I know we touched briefly on the Atari Proto's article, um, but I, I, and I had I, intended to talk more about the half-finished cart and how it affected the movie production and things like that, but I think we just kind of got off track and never got back around to it. So we had too many ends.
0: We you did need to have fewer than, than three to give us links. It's going to be like a new rule. (laughs) So one other one I want to bring up, A uh, frequent writer, Mark, wrote in, because he's the guy who wrote in before about his Rampart. Right, yeah, we're, we're going to go take up. his, his cabs we're going
1: to go take away. You're going to knock on his front door and distract <laughs> him while I go in the back and just load him up on a truck or something.
0: I am so down with that idea, <laughs> because, yes, as we spoke about in an earlier episode, he picked up not just Rampart, but a whole bunch of cabs all at once, and we're, we're super jealous about them. So he told us about he recently had a party, and people were coming over, and they're playing championship sprint and stuff, which I agree. Awesome game, perfect party game. He sent us a couple of links that I think are worth bringing up on the show because I want to make sure that these go into the show notes. One's kind of weird, one's super funny. So let's do the super funny one first. It's a link to a photoshopped and got to be fake Stevie Wonder Atari oh, ad. God. And it's, it's his ad with Stevie Wonder. And it basically says um, if I played video games, I definitely would want to play Atari. Oh, wow, <laughs> it's It's actually a really really funny That's ad. Hysterical. so it 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 totally is if i could play video games you bet it would be atari then he talks about how you know he's not superstitious but <laughs> and it's just only atari brings the classics so that you and he he likes the sound the hear the sound of fun and it's got like him holding the Atari joystick and it's it's a really really funny ad and so i don't think it's in bad taste at all because i think it's done very tongue-in-cheek and very funny so i like the ad a lot But also, he said, we'll have a link to the ad if you want to check it out yourself in the show notes. But also, Mark sent us um, a really interesting article that that is right in our wheelhouse because it talks about um, uh, arcade cabinets. And in Bangladesh, I guess Coca-Cola recently did a publicity stunt. And this is a link over to CNET.com about the happiness arcade cabinet. And so it says Coca-Cola engages in an environmentally minded publicity stunt by launching an arcade game that takes bottles, not coins. So what this was, was um, something to raise awareness of the importance of recycling. and, And so to get people into the swing of, hey, no, you've got bottles, you should recycle them. They set up a big recycling machine, or recycling bin, basically, to collect the bottles. But when it takes in a bottle, it gives you a credit on the game. So rather than just chucking the bottle, if you bring your bottle to this, this arcade game, you put it in, you get a credit, you can play the arcade. So uh, I thought that was a really nice idea, because you know to, to motivate people and get them interested in recycling. Here in Canada, recycling is big. What I didn't like so much about it is the game itself is basically Pong with Coke bottles as the paddles. I'm like, really? That's the game that is not going to sustain people's interest especially getting young people interested. So they say there was a huge lineup to play the game, but I think that's a fad. That's not going to last. If the game is simply just a black and white version of Pong with Coke bottles as paddles. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So neat idea. And I think it falls down a little bit on the execution. And I guess the idea was probably to put a game in that they could get licensed for free rather than have to pay some larger license but i think if the same thing was done with a more engaging game or maybe a series of games or something put a 61 in there and you know let's collect some real bottles so nice idea but not that keen on the game itself
1: nope last week we talked about we talking about Joust. no Joust was two weeks ago you're right these games just kind of run together after a while exactly i go through the list of games sometimes and, and, and i'm Think, I either think, did we really play this, or I'll see the title of one of the shows and and not be able to recall the game. Um, But this one, (laughs) you know, I remember Bubbles. (laughs) Because we keep beating that horse. That's right. Yes. Uh, Sean Courtney wrote in, I think he won one of our prizes a while back. Says, I know this is regarding the prior show. Um, This is in response to the Cloak and Dagger Facebook post. Uh, But while I was always familiar with Joust, I never. Actually played it until the 90s when I had a freeware version of it in my Amiga called Jouster. Great conversion for a great game. The first time I ever played the arcade version? March 2014 at the Underground Arcade for crying out loud. My goodness. I know how 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 do you call yourself a gamer sean
0: how no. oh oh and we're gonna talk how many shows have we done where we either are terrible at a game don't know about a famous game okay usually it's me that doesn't know about the famous games <laughs> like half the games we played have been new to me so i'm not
1: judging. i don't know what you're talking about well, we're experts we're we're hardcore
0: oh really okay yeah awesome tell it to atari h <laughs> No, we are not hardcore. (laughs) We just enjoy the games.
1: That's true. Uh, Dan Boris also wrote and said, this is one of my favorite arcade games. He's referring to Cloak & Dagger here. I remember playing this for the first time in an arcade game uh, in Wildwood, New Jersey, on the Wildwood, New Jersey boardwalk. I will admit the sounds and graphics are not quite up to the standards of the era, but they are definitely better than 2600 or even 5200 graphics and sounds. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I also have fond memories of this game because it was the first arcade game I wrote an emulator for I decided to do it partly because I like the game, but mainly because I could give it the cool name, Cloak and Dagulator.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. I know we had somebody write in, speaking of like games that are, are sort of weird or strange, it might have been Paul. I don't have my email open, so I apologize if your name was not Paul and you wrote it with this, <laughs> but somebody wrote it saying one of, the, one of the strange things about Joust is it's in that that range of games where... If you described it to somebody who had never played the game, you would only get a couple sentences before they would say something like, "Wait, what?" Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, so you're you're riding flying ostriches, and then like the hand comes out of the lava, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so, and it is the case that I think a lot of games we have played, um, if you were just to describe them to somebody who is absolutely not a gamer, or an absolutely not a gamer from back in the day when games, let's face it, sometimes got a little weird. I think they will just look at you like is it are, is this a story, Charlie thing? Are you are you making this up? <laughs> no, you actually do ride ride the ostriches and fight against the vulture people and keep them keep away from the hand in the lava. And that is that is the game, and it's not even the weirdest one we've played in this month.
1: <laughs> no, I think that's coming up here in just a minute.
0: Is this one a weird one this week? I think it's more just um, it's got some weird elements, but it's also a little slip shot, I'd say.
1: <laughs> yeah so the game we're talking about is uh new york
0: new york and with exclamation points
1: that's right <laughs> well because if you if you look in the Mame game list there's actually a new york new york without the exclamation points by a company called may Gay. we are not playing um, that
0: game well maybe we are in the future
1: i, I don't think i don't think that's an uh, i don't think that's um electronic i don't think you can actually play it in Mame. i think that's um MAME has has a bunch of for whatever reason, has a bunch of of uh, mechanical only arcade games listed that they will obviously never be able to emulate, um, and this is one of them. No. So, but adding so when you do a search for New York, New York in in Google with with or without the quotes or with 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 or without the ex. Exclamation points! Uh, you're going to get a whole lot of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the game itself. Even
0: when you add arcade, because then it just lists arcades in New York City, or the or the city called Arcade in the state of New York. And I agree. <laughs> I found it very difficult to find info about this game simply because it's so hard to Google it. Well,
1: and in fact. Uh, right before we started recording uh, this evening, you and I were trying to to figure out who actually made it because uh, yep. the cabinet and the cabinet says Gottlieb all over it, and most of the web pages out there, uh, Kalov and a few others, have it listed as Gottlieb but uh, in a couple of places, it says the game was made by Um, by Sigma Enterprises. And
0: even when you launch the game, it's got a Sigma copyright, not a Gottlieb copyright.
1: Right. And so it took us a little while to hunt it down, but it looks like they... Uh, it looks like Sigma actually did develop it and release it in December of 1980 and then licensed it to Gottlieb uh, for manufacture and distribution in North America uh, in the next month, in January of 1981. And then they re released it in 1982 in Japan as a game called Waga Shisun no Arcadia.
0: I just say Arcadia because, yeah, <laughs> which is basically, I think that translates to be Arcadia of My Youth, which is the name of an anime film, which I've actually seen. So, haha.
1: And it's basically the same game as New York. It's exactly New York, the same except game. Except that the 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 North America version has a a large graphic of the Statue of Liberty uh, in the background, and in Arcadia, it's been replaced with a big blue Captain Harlock.
0: Right, who is the main guy from from Ar- uh, Arcadia of My Youth and some other anime as well. And the reason I saw Arcadia of My Youth is it was made by the guy who made Star Blazers, who so I think his name is. Liji Matsumoto something like Matsumoto um uh so he did uh Space Starship Yamato which is Star Blazers that I watched as a kid so I also sought out other things by him so I'd actually seen Arcadia of my youth um but that game is essentially exactly the same as the game we're going to be reviewing although I did play both this week which is New York New York um just with the one graphic changed
1: yep and no explanation um because nope. it's, it's the same color, Captain Harlock is this uh, floats around and he's the same color as, uh, as the Statue of Liberty. Um, so they and and that kind of speaks to sort of the general, I, I think overall feel of this game where it's just kind of slapped together and and not very polished and not a lot of effort was put into it. You had called it shovelware, Carrington. I think that's a great word for it, even though it was a little bit, maybe a little bit early for the the arcade. China it was ahead of its thing. time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: pioneering shovelware. Um, so this is a Space Invaders clone. Um, you
0: see, I would think it's a Galaxian clone.
1: Okay, yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah, it's a Galaxian clone. You you have a little ship that moves across the screen at the bottom and fires up at aliens that come down at you. Um, and it's it's very derivative and and not very interesting. And it just doesn't feel like it's not a terrible game. It, it I didn't feel like like I didn't hate it. I didn't feel like I was. Like it was cheating or that the, you know, the, uh, the collision detection was terrible or anything like that. It's just kind of there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's like one of those games as a kid, you would go into a place and it wouldn't necessarily be in an arcade. If this was in an arcade, and there's lots of great games. You're not going to play this one even as a kid, right. but instead you're waiting in the laundromat because you're mm-hmm. doing laundry and there's this game there. And this, right, is this is doing, your choice. Yeah. You put quarters into it. You're up at the the camp and they've got all of two games. You put quarters in it. So it's one of those games that would just be around and it'd be good enough that you would play it. Why not? And so that's, it's one of those games.
1: Or if it was in the arcade and, and, and Galaxian had a line of people waiting to play it, then you could play this and sort of pretend you were playing Galaxian.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So like Mike says is basically there's a lot of elements in it, which are very Galaxian ish, um, In particular, the notion that you shoot little bullet sort of missiles that come out of the nose of your ship, and that you can have, in this game, you can have two of them firing at once, and so... You fire off one, and another one will, like, another little nose will stick up so that you've got another bullet ready to go, and then you fire that one off. And so you've, you can have two in rotation, and whenever you're ready to shoot, you've got the bullet kind of sticking out of the top of your ship. And to me, that's very much a, a Galaxian sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, you've also got the star field in the background, sort of at first coming down, the way it happens in many games. It's a, that sort of galaxy and gal- very Galaga feel where the starfield isn't just in the background twinkling. It's moving from top to bottom that gives you that sort of, you're rushing ahead and the bad guys are kind of keeping pace with you. <laughs> and But the weird thing is, as you progress into other levels, that starfield starts to move in other directions. It goes sideways. It goes backwards. And that messed me up. <laughs> and I really was surprised like how much that that put off my gameplay to suddenly have everything going at like 30 degrees down to the left or something or going backwards. And suddenly I'm retreating and they're coming at me and, and it shouldn't like, I shouldn't have been distracted by it, but it really did affect my gameplay.
1: Yeah. That's something that we should mention here. One of the, I I think one of the reasons that I didn't consider this game complete crap was because it was difficult. Um,
0: Holy uh, cow. Is it?
1: It's really, really much more so than Galaxian yeah so if you're looking for a a challenging space shooter, this is it um it doesn't get much harder than than this and and yeah part of it is that space field thing, but part of it is they're just really good at killing you.
0: well, they are because the like one of the big things that that is about this is the 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 enemies shoot. Fast, They shoot a lot. So that's one of the big differences between Galaxy because it's basically just a rain of bullets coming down on you. And even when there's just a few bad guys on screen, there'll be like five enemies. And at any given time, there's like 50 <laughs> bullets coming down. Sometimes it's crazy. Um, and you can have like the two shots going at once. I guess that would be really another difference. But... Um, the, for me, the thing that made it the most difficult, and we get we'll get into a second with that the spinny thing that appears. But for the most part, it's you on the bottom. There's fairly just generic bad guy spaceship things for the most part, other than the UFO, which we should also <laughs> talk about. <laughs> but the, for the most part, you got bad guys um, looking to destroy you, and they fly around in formations and. I found I found that the graphics there were really pedestrian cuz the alien yeah. crafts while they look like alien crafts they don't have the the charm of a a galaga or a Galaxian, and and or the character that you get out of space invader bad guys like they're just there is really no character to them they're very generic sort of vaguely uFO like blobs, and so I was like, eh that 's not very exciting so for the most part, the graphics i found let down, but holy cow, is this game hard because they just these bad guys move quick, they often take more than one shot, like you 'll hit them, and it just changes their color, you have to hit them again, so I was like, oh my goodness, and they just rain bullets on you, so it's it 's much more difficult than galaxian
1: yeah the, the colors as you were talking i was I was thinking about it um and the, and the the sprites are it it reminded me a lot of when we played uh buck rogers you know where they slapped the buck rogers label on it in this case there's no intellectual property that they licensed or anything but you get into the game and it's just got nothing to do with buck rogers and 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 it's just all kind of boring and drab and and nothing makes it really stand out and that's what this game was except for how hard it was and i that's the only reason that I played the game more than once because f- frankly, if it had been easier or it had been a lot more been closer to Galaxian in, in difficulty, I wouldn't have bothered that's uh, that's the one thing this game has going forward I think oh, and there's there is some some synthesized speech I say there's few, some
0: talk I can't really understand what it's saying <laughs> um sounds hey, like cuckoo stop, let,
1: me, let me I actually have what that says. Let me pull
0: that out okay because i it was driving of, me crazy uh, trying to figure out what they were saying Cause at first i was I was like is that I think that was speech. That wasn't just a beep. And then I'm listening and I'm like, I think they're saying I'm cuckoo. <laughs> so I re- I was never sure what the voices were supposed to be saying.
1: So there are, there are actually three or four phrases. Um, and they're, 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 they're synthesized speech. Uh, they, it says, come on. Hit me, hit me, and I'm here. Those are the things that it says. Well, I didn't Um, hear that at all. I I didn't either, and I wouldn't have known that. Um, and I I think that was kind of sort of a, you know, again, a half-baked effort to, to make it stand out a little bit more. Um, I I will say that normally, okay, normally we would talk about the the CPU and the sound stuff when you you talk about the cabinet, but since we've been talking about the graphics and the sound, I I think I need to mention here that, okay, it it actually has three processors, three CPUs. It's got an M6809 at 1.4 megahertz and two M6802s at 1 megahertz, and it has three 80Y 8910 sound chips and two DACs. So I don't understand.
0: (laughs) Are some of them just not being used? uh, That's, that's... I'm gotta, quite surprised at that amount of power.
1: Yeah, I, I got I to think that that's what it was because there's a
0: whole lot of power here that just seems to be wasted Well, okay, I mean, actually, now if you think about it, you got the moving star field in the background. You'll often have quite a few enemies on screen and, and a lot of bullets. So there's a very large number of sprites to keep track of. So I guess maybe that's the reason that it's got a lot to keep track of and it does run very fast and very smooth.
1: Yeah, that's true. I never, I never experienced any lag. Uh, that there was no frustration there. It just seems like maybe you could have used a little bit of that processing power to, to I don't know, spruce up the graphics.
0: Or spruce up the background. You got that Statue of Liberty in the background, and it was bugging me because it's completely, for them almost always it's unchanging, other than one point in the game, and it's weirdly positioned because it's kind of in the lower <laughs> left. It is yeah. just sort of there. The Starfield ignores it. If you're in space with the Starfield, why is that city kind of floating there? And then every once in a while, and this frankly was my favorite part of the game, is when the UFO attacks. And so a, the, the UFO attacks, the Statue of Liberty will go red because it's like, oh no, here we go, boss battle. The UFO is the easiest thing in this whole fucking <laughs> game. It moves super slow, barely shoots at all, takes one shot to kill, and then suddenly you win. And so and then the 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 Statue of liberty will go back to the normal weird bright cyan color that it is and you'll go back to the hard part of the game that's not the boss fight but the thing that i think we've got to mention is the ufo is literally the letters ufo in the shape of a ufo that's what comes on screen it's like a whole it's like somebody put that in as as a holding place to say oh well we'll come up with a ufo later and then they forgot to come up with one
1: yeah, that that cracked me up when I saw that. Yeah, and like, yeah, the, the UFO was was sort of like a, a break between the, the <laughs> it waves. It's totally the is. it's
0: the, easiest, of, it's the only easy part of the game.
1: right? Because you you kind of need a breather there, and and yep. that worked out well. It, uh, the rest of the technical specs: it, it's um, a two eighty four by two fifty six vertical uh, vertical CRT screen with with an eight color palette. So there's like no colors at all here, which probably also kind of contributes to the. The general ugliness of the the graphics mm,
0: yeah but it's i mean at least it's quick so I, like i i i quite enjoyed that part of it yeah um I was never bored playing the game. No, no, because and the game, the games are fast. Like it will kill you quickly. <laughs> like, so like you don't have to worry if if you're finding it a little boring, you won't be there for long. <laughs> like, it's it's a tough tough game. Um, but I did I did find it smooth. I did find like you that the collision detection seemed accurate. I didn't like the explosions. Like when you get shot and you blow up, the explosion isn't like one that sort of balloons around you. It's almost like it just gets replaced with a static shot of kind of a a burst picture that it also clips based on what used to be there. So you only see part of it. And it's almost like one of those old game and watch things where it's just like an LCD picture of an explosion. So a lot of times the graphics here, while it was really fast, keeping track of many sprites, the the background graphic and your own graphic of the, the, the little guy that you're playing your spaceship and especially the explosions were all kind of dull. And I think the only other part of the game we should mention is the bad guys are usually in they come in in formations and they'll whip around usually in some sort of circle somewhere on the screen and then they'll attack you and rain down on you but when they do that circle they sort of cause the formation of like it's like a sun kind of shape mm-hmm. and then if if you can shoot it enough every time you shoot it it'll it'll keep changing color and if you can shoot it enough that it'll explode, take out all the bad guys on the screen and give you a big bonus. So that's really the way to get the high score. But it's completely a sucker move because they're circling <laughs> around it. They're raining doom and destruction right below that. So if you move in to try to shoot that thing, I found Every time I would get killed, my best scores were when I would go, your son's over there, I don't care. I'm going to be over here picking off the few stragglers that are on their own. It's the only way to get like a decent long life in this game.
1: Yeah, it's as we said, it's very difficult, and and this is a, a game that came out um, 80, 81, early enough that they hadn't really... Change the mechanic of scoring, you know, to keep people, to keep players interested later on in the arcade rush, they would, you would go from scoring 10 points to scoring 100 to scoring thousands of points and, and so forth. And this is one where you do a lot of shooting and you don't rack up a lot of points, mm-hmm. you
0: know, even if you do last a while, which neither of us did. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and off, there was some weird things that one of the things i like is when you play a game from like 1979 1980 and you're right on that cusp of the move away from the most basic games into sort of the exciting explosion of games that we had for a few years especially the beginning of the 80s and so here you've got very few colors but at a time when it's at least a big deal that there is color there's weird relatively low scoring the game is incredibly hard and i'm sure that a game made later on would have been less difficult because i think this game is not going to encourage people to keep playing because you'll step up and you'll die like immediately and there's weird little mechanics that I think of now as being not polished but it's probably just because there're things that people weren't aware that maybe you should polish like like the fact that you get weird clipping when you have an explosion on your ship but also things like when the bad guys waves go off screen you're no longer able to shoot. It's like, well, why can't I shoot? And until the enemies come back, it won't let you release any. You just press the button and no missiles come out. Um, so little things like that were I found not necessarily annoying, but kind of weird. And I think it's just indicative of what you get in the 1979-1980 development cycle.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, how about the cabinet, Carrington?
0: I don't know anyone who's got one. I couldn't find anybody <laughs> who sold one. I don't think this is a game that's popular enough that they lift around. I expect these all have been converted. Like you had said, it's got Gottlieb all over it. In fact, I assumed it was a Gottlieb game, other than the fact that on screen it says copyright Sigma. The odd thing is, I've seen photographs now of two completely different Gottlieb cabinets. So I know that the game appeared only as Gottlieb in North America, but there seems to be at least two of them. But they're both very generic, so I don't know if... One of the official photos floating around the web is actually a conversion or not. But for the most part, they're both black standard dull Gottlieb cabinets with just the New York, New York um, marquee, which is itself sort of more polished and more colorful than anything in the game itself. One of them, which I think is the official cabinet, also has bezel art. It's not very exciting. It's basically just sort of like a blue sky with some black clouds and a silhouette of a generic city skyline down at the bottom in teal and which i guess is supposed to be the new york skyline so i'm assuming that that's the official one because why would it have that kind of art otherwise and the other one is lacking that um but it's just like a generic game single joystick single button of fire and two buttons for player one start and player two start one of the odd things about the, the cabinet, in trying to find eight versions where I could tell people what it costs, I don't know what it costs. Nobody seems to have one. Nobody sold one. I would guess something in the $200 range, but I don't know. Um, the flyer is really interesting, though. The flyer that Gottlieb pointed out. Partly because it says, you know, Gottlieb's talking video challenges you to save the city. And it talks up the excitement of the game. Hit me, hit me. I'm here. Come on. So the the flyer makes the game sound more exciting and interesting than it than it is, I think. <laughs> It shows pictures of the upright cabinet and the cocktail cabinet. And all they are is generic line drawings of cabinets. It just says available (laughs) upright. So they don't even have cabinet art on the official flyer. So that's how little went into this cabinet. But as far as I can tell, this was actually sold as a cabinet, not as a conversion kit. So there were official cabinets. I just don't think it was it was popular enough for them to stick around. I think it's that generic kind of shovelware where people would often convert this cabinet into something else later that was making more money. So I think a lot of these things got converted or destroyed or what have you. And that's that's the reason they're not around to sort of find in auctions versus the fact that they're very collectible. I think it's just that, you know, nobody wanted them so they all got turned into something else.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the Kalev page right now for for this and and K-lov will list scarcity and and they usually list, you know, how many collectors on Kalev have this cabinet. Uh, and they list five that, that oh. say that they have it. Um, but one of them is here in uh, Lakewood, Colorado, which is just down the road from me.
0: Let's get him on the line.
1: Um, well, he's, he's got he's got two of them listed here, one in poor condition and one in one says almost perfect condition. But, um, and I, I, you know, I tend to, I'm not the kind of guy that's just going to pick up the phone and call somebody. Hey, can I come over and see your camera? So we're hoping the listeners will. Um, and here's his number. Well, <laughs> well, actually he has, uh, this, this guy's name is, is Lonnie and he has the arcade game And all of his information is listed on this webpage and just says, Hey, give me a call. Come by. So I think I'm actually going to email him and, and see if I can go see one of two, these machines
0: fantastic and i can expect your report for the next show expect Um, on on the scenes video oh my gosh i just went to his website and he's got an environmental cine star mm -hmm. i think i should drop by and say (laughs) hi to him instead of you Um, that's one of my dream cabs oh (laughs) love the game love the cab love everything about
1: it yeah so uh look for that report eventually someday maybe
0: I look for that report now. I'm waiting. Go. We'll wait. I'll be right back now. Okay.
1: Um, oh, oh you, did you want to talk about the, the weirdness of the stick itself?
0: Let's talk about the weirdness of the stick. I don't know what's weird about it.
1: Well, it's just a little
0: metal post. Well, the thing the- is, I don't know. In, in all the official photos, you're right, it shows that little post. I think that's a stick that's had the ball taken off it, and that's the only one that was available for photo- photography. Because <laughs> so There's that- no way that's the actual joystick. The thing looks tiny.
1: That cabinet has been used in every single known picture of well, you that's know, it. Character. I think there's just I that see. one
0: cabinet. and then they, There's not Does a lot of photos.
1: Yeah. Well, I can imagine how much more difficult it would be to play on that thing. Well,
0: the weird thing is the buttons on that cab as well look tiny. So either this cabinet is twice as large or three times as large as a normal cabinet. <laughs> or, and you've got to like reach up above your head to press the buttons or the buttons themselves are the size of dimes. They're tiny little buttons. And it's got a tiny little like joystick that looks like the joystick. If any of our listeners used to have a Tandy Coco back in the... Day, So the Tandy computers back in the day, in particular the Coco, Tandy had these, these joysticks you could get. They were sort of squarish boxes, and the middle part was a joystick that wouldn't recenter itself. It was just sort of a flop around joystick. And all it was was this little steel stick, sort of. No button on top or anything. It was really thin. And it had no feedback. It was, just, it was just like flop left, flop right. You just hold it. Oh. This looks like one of those joysticks. <laughs> so maybe Tandy and Gottlieb got together and made this machine. That's You know, that's wow. the rumor I'm spreading right now. This is by Tandy. We finally figured out who actually made this. So <laughs> I'm then. good with that. I expect to see that on Claw soon. <laughs> okay. Uh, so how'd you do, Carrington? I did poorly, and it took me very little time to do so. Now, unlike <laughs> you, I actually played the game a whole bunch. Every single day this week I played this game. I don't know why. I'm not... Really into it, and I definitely prefer things like Galaxian and Galaga. And like, this this isn't a game that I think should be holding any appeal at all. <laughs> I have no idea why I played. There's lots of games we have played where I've only been able to play one day for like an hour, and they're actually games that I like. And for some reason, I made time like a half an hour a day since we last recorded to play this game over and over and over again. Something about it. I guess I just like a difficult game. That said, even with all that playing. <laughs> No. I couldn't even get 10,000. Not only that, I couldn't even get close to 10,000 points, which kept being my goal. If I could just break 10,000, didn't even come close. Best game I ever got was 7,840. And frankly, that score is far beyond what my average score would be, which is normally like the 4,000s. I did usually very poorly in this game. But 7,840 is the best I did after a lot of playing. Uh, how about you, Mike? Well,
1: I did beat you this week.
0: You um... suck. Uh, I got eighty six hundred and seventy
1: points oh man uh like you i that that score was a fluke. My scores tended to be between you know twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred It really it came very,
0: down to on a couple of games, including this one, I guess, I would get. I would shoot that star thing enough to blow up and get that bonus. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, get what a did. few thousand points for that. So you do that twice and suddenly you get a much better game. But for the most part, I would try to keep away from that star thing. So my game would last a little longer.
1: Yeah. And you do get an extra, extra missile base at 5,000 points. Uh, it doesn't really help. <laughs> nope. Um. <laughs> so
0: as soon as those stars uh, start going backwards. My game is just messed up. I just, I can't play in retreat. It seems. Well,
1: you shouldn't feel too bad. Uh, uh, Champau lists the, the current world record uh, holder as uh, one Joseph Messina, who set his high score on March nineteenth, two 2008, for a grand total of 15,140 points.
0: Wow, that's a low score. It is
1: a low score. So this is the not...
0: first time, I think, where I've ever got like half the world high score.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's not like this is a lone score. You know that a uh, game nobody ever plays. They have several. They have several scores listed here. A lot of people have submitted for this, and nobody's very good. So, well,
0: I even, think even I think actually fifteen thousand makes you you are very good because <laughs> this is this is a tough game that comes at you quick and hard from the beginning.
1: Yeah, well, and, and Robert Muchek, who you probably you might recognize that name from. Uh, Twin Galaxies and the King of Kong. Uh, he's, he's the number six ranked scorer, um, and his score is only eighty two seventy. So, Hey, you beat him. I did. Nice. I did.
0: I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing well, is, I don't think I'm going to come back to this game. As much as I kept playing this week, I think if I could just stop playing for one day, I would just shake it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of went back and forth between this and and Cloak and Dagger a lot this week because I, like, really hooked on Cloak and Dagger now. See, Um, I... I
0: I knew yeah. you would be. It's such a good game.
1: It's really good. I'm I'm enjoying it immensely now. <sighs> that I've, well, now I I figured it out, and I'm you know part of it. I, okay, not to get back to that game again, but I I realized one of the reasons that I didn't like it so so much is you die. I didn't know what was going on, and I died quickly, which happens to uh, most of the games that I play. But there's <laughs> you, you drop a quarter, and you you hit the start, and then there's like this twenty second animation where he's walking across the screen. I'm just pounding the button. Come on, come on, get in the game um and when you when you suck, you have to watch that thing a whole lot it 's irritating and frustrating but uh yeah this is i don 't know that i 'll be playing this a whole lot more i mean obviously when i when I go visit this guy um <clears throat> at the arcade museum, I will give it um I will play it and I will tell you how awful it is but other than that, yeah i think i 'm done with it I like it i i do like it i don't hate it but like, i'm not I mean, gonna play I, it. i
0: like it more than i should and <laughs> i guess maybe that's it so it's not that i like it i just like it a surprisingly a surprising amount for what it is something about it kept me playing this week so i gotta yep. give it props for that
1: yeah me too i won't play it again but
0: <laughs> we'll see we'll see if i do or not i think i won't but every day even today i keep i keep coming back to this game i like <laughs> i like a hard video game
1: and this is you know, this, this is, is this
0: is one of those definitely.
1: Yeah, we, we played almost hundred of these things, and, and this is probably top five for difficulty.
0: Got to be Maybe yeah. top three.
1: It's really hard.
0: Yeah, my games were short and embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so there were there were some games where honestly I would die in in. Fifteen seconds, yeah. like you would just die really quickly. A couple of times, it was just like, "Oh, okay, this game's over."
1: Yeah, it's it's easy to burn through ships in a hurry. I yeah, mean, which again,
0: if this was back in the day and I was putting an actual quarter in, like paying you know hard-earned nineteen eighties money, <laughs> full <laughs> quarter, I would think I'm not getting my twenty five cents worth.
1: Oh, oh, speaking of twenty five cents, uh, we have a, a news item here that that I forgot to talk about. Uh, if you live in Marshfield, Massachusetts, which I don't. In- um, since 1982, you have not been legally allowed to play video games within the city limits. That's been overturned today.
0: Yay. <gasps> did you, actually? Were, did you have a hand in that?
1: Actually, uh, actually, this was on reported on April 30th. No, I, I wish I did, but uh, the, tra- the town the has, town has finally overturned their their ban on public arcades and video games.
0: I uh, wish whoever did that would come to Toronto and overturn our city's ban <laughs> on it as well.
1: Uh, Yahoo.com has a, a news article in in their odd news section. Jerks <laughs> um, uh, saying that um, they, they have an interview with a guy named Craig Rondo. I assume that's how you pronounce that. Who that's is how kind I pronounce of. It. Kind of behind the, the effort to overturn this, he got support from local businesses uh, and really pushed this through. Interestingly, uh, the ban was overturned by a, a 203 to 175 vote, and I wonder who these 175 people are who still don't want video games in their town.
0: Because they bring a bad element.
1: It's been 32 years, but they did it yay good for you guys.
0: Yes, I agree. I'm jealous. And I
1: think you should find those 175 voters and run them out of town.
0: <laughs> but not to Toronto.
1: Just into the water somewhere.
0: Blame blame the video games. That's right. <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about next week's game. Is it
0: easier than this week's game? Uh, gotta be. Well, what's it sound like?
1: Sounds like this, Carrington. <laughs> So thanks everybody for listening to yet another episode of No Quarter, and we will
0: see you next week. Absolutely. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to No Quarter at Monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monsterfeet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. Sounds like this, Carrington. As opposed to that Carrington? (laughs) Carrington. (laughs) And we have a new theme song. (laughs) That'll be my ringtone. Actually, you should make that the ringtone when I call you. (laughs) (laughs) I should. (laughs) (laughs) Carrington.